Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with and laugh, I think we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Remember, if you have any commercial real estate questions or if you have comments about the show, we do appreciate hearing from you. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. Or you can catch us by email at info at com. You can also connect with us through Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Google Plus, or Smoke Signals. Well, maybe not Smoke Signals, but you can find them all at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're going to start the show with an informative update from Tom Fink with TREP. Tom will share the current status of CMBS mortgage delinquency and maturities, including the latest statistics and numbers of delinquent loans across the country. Then we'll talk to some very active and successful loan workout professionals about some best practices for working out problem loan situations at this point in the cycle. We'll discuss loan workouts from both the lender, borrower, and investor perspectives. First, please welcome Tom Fink, Senior Vice President with TREP. TREP is the leading provider of CMBS and commercial mortgage information analytics and technology for the global securities and investment management industries. You may be surprised the information you can access with TREP's services. Check them out at TREP.com. Tom, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be back. Well, thank you for calling us from Phoenix uh, at your conference. And, Tom, we're curious, what is the current status of loans in the CMBS world? Are default rates improving any? No, they're not. They're actually getting worse, more because of the volume of loans that are paying off. And so that, you know, when you do any ratio, it's the number of delinquent loans divided by the number of loans outstanding. And right now, the number of loans outstanding is going down faster than the number of delinquent loans. Um, we're still showing upwards of $60 billion of, of uh face amount of delinquent loans in the CMBS universe. And that number's been fairly constant for the last two, two and a half years. Okay. So 60 billion delinquent at the moment. Yep. And what percentage of that is is that of the CMBS world? That's approaching 10. It's about nine and a half, 9.6. 9.6% of the loans. Yep. Okay. And, and how many of these loans are set to mature uh, this year and in 2013? Well, when we look at the numbers, I mean, you know, obviously we're four months into uh, 2012 at this point, and actually four and a half months into it. But we still show that, you know, for the remainder of this year, about $60 billion this year and about, you know, $58 billion in 2013. Okay. So between the two, call it 120 Okay. And how many and what volume of these loans are potentially worth less than the loan amount? Um, let's let's divide it up into where the property is worth less than the loan amount, and where the ability of the borrower to refinance is is worth less than the outstanding loan balance. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's that's a distinction you have to make in today's market. I think that you know underwriting standards are much tougher than they were. Um, you know, five and six years ago in 05, 06, and 07. And I think so that loans coming due in 2012 and 2013 that are in that, you know, peak of the market vintage are having a real tough time refinancing and re-underwriting. Um, you know, it's it's not unusual for a loan in that vintage to, you know, at this point be able to refinance only half to uh, maybe two-thirds of the total debt stack outstanding on a particular property. So if we call it $120 billion maturing over the next two years, probably about 50% of that is underwater, either property value versus loan or refinancing capability versus loan. 
Okay. So that makes sense. So the property may be worth more than the loan about amount, but that doesn't mean they can refinance it. That's right. Yeah, they've got loan-to-value issues and that, all sorts of things. Well, how yeah. many loans are getting worked out or extended lately? What's the status uh, you there? You know, we continue to see a pretty steady pace in that, that area. Um, you know, when we look at what's interesting is I was uh, looking at these numbers just the other day, and we continue to see anywhere from, you know, a billion to a uh, billion and a half on average being worked out every month over the last year or so. But what's interesting is is that when I go back in and I look at, you know, how many, you know, everybody focused on the long workouts, at the same time we've probably had triple the volume of loans that are actually paying off and refinancing in some capacity. So even though we, we focus on the distress because it's clearly a large number and there are a lot of players who are active in the market, you know, we're still seeing, you know, a couple billion dollars a month paying off just paying it in full or prepaying, you know, paying off at the beginning of the open period. So there's still, I think, um, you know, a lot of capital available for real estate. There's still a lot of good projects out there because don't forget, we're refinancing in 2012 and 2013, where loans originated in 2002 and 2003, which was well before the, the big run-up in inflation and valuations. That's true. And that's the market. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a lot of good news out there. I think if it bleeds, it leads, right? We we tend to (laughs) talk about that. Well, and speaking of bleeding, uh, are servicers being more aggressive now uh, than they've been in past several years? And, And what do you expect to see moving forward? You know, I don't really think they're even they're they're more aggressive. I think they've always taken a very measured approach, uh, to the the liquidation of loans, I think you know when the the real estate crisis hit in in '08 and '09, and we were in the the heart of the storm. You know, everybody was expecting, oh my God, there's going to be huge losses. People are just going to dump real estate. But you have to remember the people that were steering the ship at the time, whether it's the people at the FDIC, the people at the special servicers. They all were around during the RTC days when a lot of people were of the opinion that if you panicked and hit the first bid, you may be leaving a lot of money on the table. And I think that's why a lot of distressed funds have had trouble getting off the ground. I mean, when we look at the numbers, I think, you know, liquidations really stepped up at the middle of 2010. And from that point forward, I think they've been liquidating loans at a fairly steady pace. Um, you know, I mean, look, the the recovery in the real estate markets has has been very uneven, um, and that's I think been a problem for a lot of a lot of folks. Uh, when we look at you know where the transaction volume is in sales, um, you know, Real Capital Analytics showed 200 billion of property sales last year, which is you know probably four times what it was at the bottom of the market. Um, a couple of years in 2009, and they're showing, you know, could be hit 300 billion this year in terms of sales. The problem that you get is, you know, that is numbers are radically skewed by the top markets. I mean, you know, the transaction of properties in Manhattan, Los Angeles, Chicago, Boston, Dallas, and you know, and DC, those top six markets are a huge chunk of the volume that we're seeing in the marketplace overall. Um, you know, you get into some of the more the smaller markets or some of the more troubled markets, and, and while they're they're seeing a pickup in volume year over year, it isn't often um, you know comparable to the kinds of volume pickups you're seeing in some of the really large markets that are dominating the numbers. 
Right, and there's a lot of positive news and, and a lot of positive absorption in many markets around the country. So you don't believe that's going to make the servicers be a little more aggressive uh, than they were, say, two years ago when they may have thought they were going to catch a falling knife. I think they are going to. They, what they what they are going to do is they are going to continue to liquidate properties as they 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 finally get to the resolution with the borrower that you know the guy can't come up with enough money to pay the loan, so they're going to move against the property. Right. Well, Tom, are you seeing anything in the market or in the numbers that surprises you? Um. Yeah, I think I have. I think that. Um, you know, and I think it comes when you start looking at the the regional numbers. Um, you know, one of the things that we always try to look at is you know which parts of the market are being most adversely impacted at any given point in time. Um, I think the Pacific, you know, the West Coast, I think uh, went bad a lot worse than I had expected. I mean, I think the real estate delinquency numbers got. Um, very high there, um, much higher than I was expecting, but they've shown a significant comeback. Um, you know, I think that, you know, the New England market is, continues to be robust on the backs of what's going on in Boston. And what I'm starting to see happen is, is the, the core, you know, industrial heartland is starting to improve. Um, you know, it, we're starting to see it in some of our numbers, but I'm also hearing it when I talk to folks that are out there in the field that, you know, are dealing with buildings. And one of the most interesting and I think one of the most encouraging things I've heard in the last, you know, couple of years is I was talking to a, um, uh, the head of finance at a company that handles industrial properties, and he said he was out visiting their properties, and a huge number of them are operating on triple shifts. So I think there's there's going to become a significant demand for industrial properties um, for U.S. manufacturers in the next two years. Yeah, I think that's a pretty hot market. Well, we're short on the break, and we promise not to keep you a long time, Tom. But can you share a, a, a tip before you leave for lenders or borrowers? I mean, you're looking at the market all the time. A quick tip for us? You know, I think that the, the only answer is patience. Um, mm-hmm. We are never. I, I'm, I'm still don't think we're going to get back. You know, even though New York City has recovered, we're not going to get back to the kinds of numbers people were throwing around in 06 and 07. And it's the same thing I've been saying all along, Michael. If you're going to invest in real estate, it's not a financial investment; it's an operating investment. So if you don't know how to operate a piece of real estate, go buy something else. <laughs> That's a good point. But real estate, we don't have patience. We're not doctors. I mean, <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> we want everything now. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your intel. You're welcome, Michael. Well, stay tuned. We have some very active and successful loan workout professionals up next. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related subjects, check out our show podcast. In the last several weeks, we produced several shows on these various sectors, industrial, retail, office, healthcare, and the net lease markets. 
Be sure to check out the show, Twitter for Business, and another informative show with a clever title, LinkedIn. Do you know what that one's about? <laughs> there are lots of interesting shows to choose from. Just click the tab, Shows on Demand, at CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Today, we're talking about distress loan workout strategies for lenders and borrowers. Let's meet our guest. First, please welcome Mindy Planner, partner with the law firm Arnold Golden Gregory. Mindy focuses her practice on finance, financial restructuring, real estate, and securitizations. She represents clients in complex commercial lending and real estate transactions and workouts, including the origination of construction, permanent, MES, and other real estate-secured loans. Mindy, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Please welcome John Christie, managing partner with law firm Schreeder, Wheeler, and Flint. With more than 25 years of professional legal experience, John represents clients in general litigation matters, including lender liability cases and Chapter 11 reorganizations. He also represents property owners in sale, acquisition, and financing of commercial real estate. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here with you and your audience this morning. Please also welcome Joe Briner, partner with corporate rescue firm Grisanti, Galef, and Goldress. As a partner with 50-year management turnaround firm GGG Partners, Joe's practice has focused on loan workout services. His 23 years experience as a senior financial services executive in privately held and public banks, including the role of CEO, has helped him be very successful clients with problem loans. Joe, welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks, Michael. Well, guys, I'd like to get an update on just how things are going. You guys are helping a lot of clients and, and lenders and borrowers in this in this market with loan problem loans. How is it going? How is it different from, say, two or three years ago and today, Joe? Well, Michael, uh, lenders have gotten... I, I would say better at what they're doing. They're more process driven, uh, maybe more predictable. More predictable. So, you it's a little easier to deal with them. You'd say. Yeah, it, <laughs> we're, we're not dealing with quite the range of options and issues that we were, and, and we tend to get down to business pretty readily. And I guess easy isn't a good word to use, is it, John? Well, <laughs> easy is not the word I would use, but uh, I would agree with Joe that the lenders. I think are getting more realistic. There's some lender fatigue that's setting in. The amount of lawsuits they filed against guarantors, the litigation they've been involved, the amount of money they've been spending on litigation is not resulting in the bottom line return. I think that's finally setting in, that it makes no sense to sue somebody who's being sued by 10 other banks who has no money. I also think there's a big dis- difference in lender workouts if you're talking about dirt versus income-producing property. I mean, lenders don't want to loan on dirt. They don't want to work out dirt loans. They want to exit it. Income-producing properties, you may have some ability to be able to rework them, depending on the lender, uh, because there's income there with which to pay the debt. But if you're dealing with a bank that wants to exit and has made a decision corporately to exit a certain segment of the market, whether it be hotel loans, whether it be certain kind of real estate loans, there's no way in God's earth you're going to work it out. You can offer them a DPO or discounted payoff, but they're in the business of selling that loan to exit that segment. Yeah, those are good points. And we see the same thing. We see lenders getting a little better at going through the process. So they've gotten more experienced and uh, are moving through and hiring people uh, like uh, my guest today and uh, our firm and our listeners around the country and getting things worked out is still not easy, that's for sure. And, and speaking of working out loans, let's talk about the differences and the motivations of the different types of of lenders. I mean, if you've got a CMBS lender, a law share bank, uh, or, or just a regular bank, what are some of the different motivations and uh, things a borrower should think about there, Joe? Well, Michael, I think uh, one of the keys is with an operating bank, not a law share bank, but uh, uh, the bank's balance sheet is going to really dictate what they can or can't do. They're going to either protect their balance sheet or want to clean it up, same as they've been doing for the last several years. So, 
we we tend to look at the strength of the bank, and that helps inform us as to what we need to do in terms of workout strategies with that particular bank. Yeah, and I guess it's real important um, that when you're working on these transactions as an advocate for, for either side that, that you have some experience to know what some of these banks will do, right? That's right. Uh, again, they, they have a range of options, but sometimes uh, banks are under a consent decree or something else that actually prevents them from doing certain actions. So being aware and building that into the uh, process of negotiating is, is an important aspect of getting these worked out successfully. That's a good point. you got to put yourself in the bank's shoes, right, and exactly. see, see what they're dealing with. Banker psychology. You, and, you, yeah, you got to figure, you got to think, you know, have did they just get an examination? Did they just get beat up for something? And take that into consideration. And uh, to the extent you can help alleviate a problem, uh, that generally uh, is something they want to hear. Well, be careful how deep you go into their minds. Be careful there. Well, Mindy, what about CMBS uh, mortgage situations? Uh, what are some of the motivations and things borrowers should consider there? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is everyone's saying that lenders are getting more realistic, but I think it's the other way around. The borrowers are. Um, but back to special servicers. First, we're not covered by the strength. The strength of the lender isn't an issue there. Really, it's what's best for the asset that the CMBS lenders look at. The special issues for CMBS lenders are, first, the borrower has to get to the special servicer, which means the loan either has to be in default or there has to be an eminent default. After that, it's very process-driven. The lender has to go through a lot of process. It's not quick. The borrower has to be patient, but the lender will look at all aspects. And what else is important for a bar to understand, uh, Mindy, when they're dealing with a CMBS uh, mortgage uh, uh, that's important for them to think about? Um, Well, they need to give as much information as possible to their lender. If they want a modification, they have to put money up, um, and they just have to be ready to look at all aspects of their transaction and know the lender will look at that as well. So I guess that's an important thing with CMBS. They've got to have cash, right? They've got to bring some money to the table if they think they're going to get something worked out. Yeah, if you want a deal, you have to have cash. The Mm -hmm. lender's not going to just modify the loan or extend. They'll say, bring cash to the table, then we might extend or then we might modify. Okay. And John, what about lost share banks? I mean, they're under uh, some regulations there. What should borrowers know there? Well, I think you know, the question you posed here is very good because the strategy with dealing with these types of lenders is completely different. Mm-hmm. The loss sharing bank's goal is to make sure that it does absolutely nothing that screws up the loss sharing. I mean, that is the golden goose. They don't If they modify a loan, it can result in it being taken out of the loss sharing. They're also liquidators. You need to understand they're not there to work out loans. While you may be talking to somebody in special assets who says they're a workout person, that's a misnomer. They are there to liquidate the portfolio within the loss sharing window so they can make their claim in the loss sharing. So they've got usually a five-year horizon. So they've got to work this, get this loan liquidated or get this loan resolved such that they can make a loss-sharing claim. Under most loss-sharing agreements, it's when they can charge off the loan under customary banking practices. So they want to get to the point where they can charge off the loan, they can make the loss-sharing payment and get paid and accumulate or collect the necessary documentation so they can demonstrate to the FDIC if they get an audit that they did everything to maximize the recovery and minimize the loss to the FDIC so that loan doesn't get kicked out of the loss sharing. And that is their, their sole goal. A challenge in deal with the loss sharing banks is also the fact that they are generally, the people who are there generally don't have a lot of experience, and that's true of most workout places. And most workout institutions right now, is there's a dearth or lack of uh, people with uh, a lot of workout knowledge and information. Yeah. 
Well, that's interesting. Well, we have a lot more in store for you, including some tips for dealing with uh, work loan workouts from both the lenders and borrowers' perspective. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like more information on commercial loan workouts, check out the IMN conference coming to Atlanta on June 28th and 29th. It's the Bank and Financial Institution's Special Asset Executive Conference on Real Estate Workouts. Visit imn.org and click the Conferences tab. Or the direct link to the conference is available at commercialrealestateshow.com. If you want to save 10%, here's a promo code you can use, CRE Show. Well, today we're talking about distress loan workout strategies for lenders and borrowers. My guests are Mindy Planner with Arnold Golden Gregory, John Christie with Schreeder, Wheeler, and Flint, and Joe Briner with Grisanti, Galef, and Golders. And uh, Mindy, I'd like to ask you about some tips and the rest of you uh, for distress loan issues from the lender side. What are some tips lenders in the audience can use to maximize recovery on non-performing loans and REO? Well, the first thing is to be a Boy Scout. Be prepared. Know what the best recovery is. Know what the borrower is going to want. Okay. And Joe? Well, Michael, uh, I would say to lenders, stop the self-inflicted injuries. Uh, Don't sell a loan for less than the borrower offered. As much as I hear lenders of every stripe tell me what wonderful asset managers they are, I look at their call reports every 90 days, and I can see otherwise. So do a methodical net present value analysis of your alternatives and select the one that presents the highest recovery and go with that. that. That's what everyone expects. That's what you need to do as a rational entity. That's a good point. I heard a lender tell me the other day that, that the borrower offered him more than he could get otherwise, and oh, I'm not going to do that. That's the borrower. Well, I think a lot of banks have kind of got, gotten over that emotional part of it, haven't they? I still see it. Uh, the, I'm dealing with that right now in a $55 million workout scenario where we're getting the banks what they requested, and yet there's uh, th- there's some money for fees and things that they're fighting over, and uh, it's mind-boggling. You, you can only go back to the well so many times before you're cut off, and we're getting close. Yeah, but your borrower shouldn't have, have con- come to the uh, meeting in their plane, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? All right, let me make a note of that. <laughs> and then they pull no up in their Mercedes. And... <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Uh, John, what tips do you have for some lenders out there? Oh, I think the lenders could save themselves a lot of aggravation and brain damage by ending the mindless litigation they engage in. For some reason, they feel that there's some need to ignore the realities of the financial situation of the bar when there's a personal guarantee of the some individual and the value of the real estate. As a practical matter, what they're going to recognize is the value of the real estate. They need to get that value as soon as possible, but they want to litigate. So what they do is they defer getting the hands of the real estate so they can liquidate it, sue on the guarantees, and get mired in these counterclaims and endless litigation that puts off the uh, inevitable for months. And at the bottom line, the recovery is no greater than would have been had they resolved at the beginning. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And some of these borrowers, there's so many people chasing them anyway, and it seems like a worthless cause. And their biggest recovery is going to be on the real estate. And shouldn't you just move on the real estate and get it done? Exactly. And, Michael, stop the presses. We just heard an attorney say, stop the litigation. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. Well, let me just say, God bless the banks and the lenders for continuing it. Yeah. Well, Mindy, what are some other tips for, uh, say, a CMBS lender out there to reduce their risk and increase recoveries? Know the documents. Know um, the strengths and weaknesses of your position. Know what your remedies are. Know where the weaknesses are in that. Is your loan recourse or non-recourse? Are there holes in the recourse in the non-recourse provisions? Basically, you're going to hear me say this over and over, but have knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you need to know what the value of that underlying collateral is and uh, what your net present value is there and, and what's your, your quickest road and your best road to recovery. What are some other uh, tips, guys? I think the lenders need to uh, take a, a uh, get financial information about their guarantor so they can assess the situation. And right now you're seeing an uptick in fraudulent conveyance litigation. I think you can put a great deal of pressure on the borrower if you investigate whether or not there have been potential fraudulent conveyances, whether it's distributions from the entity uh, while it wasn't paying debt service or paying other bills. I think you can trade that for cooperation with the borrower. That's a good point. What about lender liability, John? What, uh, how can lenders uh, save themselves there? Well, I mean, the, precautions. certainly the uh, most uh, uh, effective means is every time the loan is modified, they get a release. Mm-hmm. They get a comprehensive release. And obviously that would include all the claims that would eliminate and cut off uh, many of them. Uh, what they need to do is also, we've had several cases where the lenders during the foreclosure process have actually spoken with prospective purchasers. And in one instance, encouraged them to wait until after the foreclosure to go buy the property. Mm-hmm. So lenders just need to act like a lender and not like the owner of the property. Many lenders fall into the trap of trying to, in the, in the theory, I guess, of trying to maximize some recovery for the property, acting as if they own the property before they do. And what about if the borrower says, hey, you're, okay, you're going to release me from liability on this. This is what you're telling me. I'll release all my liability. You can do all that. Still, as an attorney, you're uncomfortable with that? Well, if I, if I was getting a release from the lender, I mean, from the borrower, in anticipation of doing that, then I'd say, let's just do some sort of settlement agreement or deed and loot transaction, give the lender title of the property and move on. I mean, from a borrower's standpoint, you would also don't want the lender dealing with your property and subjecting you to potential liability because as the owner, you still have liability for the property. Right. Okay. Well, that's some interesting discussions. We have to take a short break. In just a moment, we'll share some inside information on commercial real estate workouts. I'm Michael Bull, and you're listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com.
Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up, including next week's show featuring interviews from ICSC Recon Conference in Las Vegas. This is the largest annual retail real estate event in the world. It's been reported that really over half of the retail real estate transactions are either done or they're started at Recon each year. We'll bring you some of the action and news from the conference next week. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about distressed loan workout strategies for lenders and borrowers. My guests are Mindy Planner, John Christie, and Joe Briner. All right, we've got the experts in the studio today, so if you're a borrower, here's your, here's your chance. You're going to get some great information. I'd like to know what you guys have as far as advice for borrowers. What are some tips and strategies for borrowers involved in problem loan situations, John? Well, first thing is patience. A workout, as I'm sure Joe would agree, is 100% art and 0% science. Mm-hmm. It depends on so many human factors. It depends on where the lender is in the cycle of disposing of assets and loans and so forth. So patience and time are your greatest ally if you're a borrower. Loan may get sold to somebody who will give you a discount, whereas the existing lender wouldn't. Um, so you never know what might happen. So those are two things. The second thing is a war chest. You certainly want to be well-funded. If you've got income-producing property, you want to get in a position where you've established a sufficient war chest to be able to deal, uh, to deal with the lender. And then I think the other thing is is to make sure that all your books and records with respect to the property are up to snuff and they're accurate. Yeah, I'd agree with all that, Michael, and I'd add don't play games with the cash. Uh, the lenders are going to be looking for that. Get help early. The week before foreclosure is not the definition of early. And uh, one other point I'd mention to potential clients or people facing the situation is that I, I deal with new clients every week who are intimidated by that first contact from the special assets officer or the special servicer of their loan. And here's what I tell them. I say, look, there isn't some breed of super credit steroid enhanced humanoids out there processing non-performing <laughs> assets at any type of lender. So it's a process. We need to work through it. We don't know exactly what the outcome will be and, and what all the twists and turns will be, but uh, we will come up with a game plan and we'll work through it. Yeah, the, or they can hire their own Superman, right? That's right. <laughs> well, let me add one thing about that, what Joe said. is A lot of times, borrowers have no credibility with the lender. They've told the lender either I'm going to get you a payment or I'm going to pay you off or I'm going to do something, and they don't perform. Lying to the banker is like lying to the FBI. It's very bad. Yeah. And you lose credibility. You may have to engage someone like Joe and his firm to be the intermediary who has established credibility with lenders who knows how to play the game, who knows what the lenders need to see, because you've got to package the information for the lenders in a manner they're used to seeing and they can digest and process. That's a good good point, and I think you've got to have a plan that really makes sense to the lender to get things worked out and move forward. And if you're just doing the same old thing you've been doing for a couple of years, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, heard that before, right, Jay? Exactly, and sometimes the lender, uh, they, they don't want to hear it again, and, and then you do need the services of a very strong legal team like like John and his firm would offer to uh, to take it up a level, so to speak. Yeah. Mindy, what are, you, what are some tips for borrowers there? I would say the borrower should have a realistic plan. What's likely to work? Um, again, not the same old, same old. Um, if, it's, if it's a foreclosure um, and you're going to fight it, does it make sense? Or are you just delaying the inevitable? Do you just want to pay your lawyers or do you want to pay the lender? Um, it depends. Sometimes it's worth the fight if there's a credible, uh, a credible claim. But more often than not, it's just delay. Sometimes the borrower just needs delay. Maybe they need a little time for a tax benefit or some other benefit. But I think the borrower should look at the ultimate goal um, and, and the likely outcome. 
um, are they going to be able to keep this asset in the end? Is it going to cash flow for this loan, or are they just better giving it up? In particular, if it's a non-recourse loan, um, maybe they want to negotiate uh, a discounted payoff and walk away. And Joe, you'd mentioned earlier that you need to understand if you're dealing with a bank, the strength of the bank, the situation the bank is in at the time, and how can borrowers uh, get that information? Well, for banks, it's very easy. Banks have to publish their numbers every 90 days in the in something called the call report. Uh, you can go to the FDIC website and look it up. Um, it, it takes a little uh, experience to get knowledgeable about it, but uh, that's a good place to start, especially with a small community bank. Uh, you know, the, the bigger banks are, are a different breed, but um, there are a lot of community banks, a lot of smaller banks out there that uh, you need to understand, again, what condition the bank's in, what their balance sheet looks like, and uh, you can get a lot of information that will inform you on, on what they can and can't do. Right. And, John, what are some mistakes that you've seen borrowers do when they're trying to, to work out a problem loan situation besides showing up in their G6? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I always tell borrowers to make sure you come with the old pickup truck and have the Timex on. <laughs> uh, no, and no, uh, no uh, chains around the neck. Now, I think what borrowers do is that they have unrealist expectations as to what the property can do. I mean, most real estate developers are positive in nature. They wouldn't take the kind of risks that they do, and they wouldn't make the kind of investments they do unless they were very positive, optimistic people. And so I think that's a mistake if you go to the lender and you promise more than you can deliver. You've got to be realistic with the lender because the truth's going to catch up with you anyhow. So there's no reason. And you have to be realistic about the value, what the realistic, the prospects. It may be that your best out is to figure out some way to exit the property gracefully and get off your guarantee and just give, the go, uh, give up the ghost. Right. So maybe you're offering some cash to get off the guarantee. Sure. Um, and what are some other solutions that you guys have seen work for borrowers in that situation? Well, I think a lot of times, I mean, you go to the bank and you say, look, the property's worth X. Why don't you take the property or I've got a sale for X. Let's talk about working out the deficiency. You're going to have to have the parameters and be able to show them a liquidation financial statement. This is what I would, this is what you'll get if you continue to pursue me and I wind up in bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So my offer is better than what you'd get from Chapter 7 three years down the road because I'm going to give you cash on my deficiency today. You've got to demonstrate to the lender, and frankly, I hate to say it, make it idiot-proof. Mm-hmm. The, the special assets people there are not there to do your job, which is one reason why you'd employ somebody like Joe and his firm. They don't want to package the information, how to present it to the lender so that they can carry it up the committee, get it approved, and the deal gets done. That's a good point. Okay, we're going to have more workout tips for you after a quick break. I'm Michael Ball, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com.
Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We've been asked to mention the Commercial Loan Workout Conference again. I guess some radio listeners didn't have their pencils ready, right? Well, the conference is going to be in Atlanta on June 28th and June 29th. Visit imn.org, that's Information Management Network, and click the Conferences tab. Uh, or the direct link to the conference is available at commercialrealestateshow.com. And again, if you want to save 10%, use the promo code CRE Show. Well, today we're talking about distressed loan strategies for lenders and borrowers. My guests are Mindy Planner, John Christie, and Joe Briner. And Joe, if a borrower is current on their payments and the loan is just maturing, uh, they're actually still going to be in default and they need to deal with that, don't they? Absolutely, Michael. As Tom said at the top of the show, uh, we see it's not just CMBS. We see it everywhere that Properties are underwater, and uh, borrowers cannot refinance just for the loan balance. The loan-to-value is out of whack, and so, as Mindy said a little while ago, they've got to come to the table sometimes with some cash just to get a loan renewed, even though it's been perfectly performing for three, five, seven, ten years. That's a good point. So get started early just because you're current on your payments. Doesn't mean you're not going to have a big issue coming up. A lot of these lenders really just like to get out of some of these commercial real estate loans, and you need to be aware of it and be prepared. Well, John, I want to ask you about bankruptcy. I mean, I see some borrowers that have no equity, and they're filing bankruptcy. Uh, When is that a a good option, and when is it not? Well, I think, first of all, it depends on what kind of property it is. If you've got a non-income producing property, most of those Chapter 11s are DOA. There are Chapter 11 plans that are proposed, dirt for debt plans, where you take dirt, you get an appraisal on the property, and you convey a certain portion of the property to the lender in satisfaction of its debt, and uh, that's supposed to be your plan. problem with that is is getting values and getting anyone to believe the values that you're proffering is very difficult. On income-producing property, you've got to be realistic. Is the property going to generate enough income to be able to service any realistic amount of debt? Even if property is underwater, the credit will be secured up to the value of the property unsecured for the balance, the mortgage holder will. Can you, at a market rate of interest, uh, service the debt on the secured portion of the, of, the, uh, of the debt? If you can't, then the bankruptcy is going to be DOA and you're wasting time, effort, and money. Now, in the old days when the loans weren't personally guaranteed, bankruptcy was a much more uh, favorable option in that you could either cram down the lender, write off some of its debt under prior law, or you could... Uh, just tr- take a shot or a flyer trying to reorganize. Now with guarantees, the med- lender's immediate response is to sue on the guarantee, which is very bad, usually for the principals. There's also sp- the case of springing guarantees. You've got to make a real hard decision. Do you want to file bankruptcy when there is a springing guarantee, where you otherwise the lender would be just take the property back, you'd have no personal recourse liability. Now you're going to subject yourself to 100% recourse liability. Is the property really worth saving? And uh, I, my experience has been most principals have said the property's not worth saving. The lender can go have it back. So in some cases, filing bankruptcy could backfire on a borrower. It could backfire. You also lose, you could potentially lose control of the process. There's the issue of preferences, whether or not you've been paying insiders for a period of one year, whether you've made distributions uh, to yourself, which can be recovered back as potential fraudulent conveyance. Could be the case of man bitten by his own dog, (laughs) you know, once you, once you file the bankruptcy. And, And that's, that's a real problem. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Well, our fun has to end soon. We're almost out of time. And Mindy, can you leave us with a quick tip for listeners around the country? Sure. On both sides, borrower and lender, be prepared. Know your asset. Know what the options are. Know whether a modification will work. If you don't know, then get professional help. Um, Get somebody to help you come with a realistic solution to your lender if you're a borrower. And if you're the lender, understand what may work for the borrower and what your likely outcome is. Okay. And Joe? 
I can't top that. Mindy hit it. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point. If uh, you're a lender, uh, you know, get get on it early. Have a plan. Bring in professionals. Uh, I think uh, more lenders are realizing they're pulling great third-party providers around the country, like people in this uh, studio today, and get things worked out uh, better. And I think if you're a borrower, have a good plan. Uh, sometimes the plan is to actually you just need to sell the property. And, you know, if you make sure the property's marketed well and you can show the lender that you're doing a good job, they may. Uh, work it out with you. Well, Mindy, John, Joe, thanks for your insight today. Thank you, Michael. Thank Thank you, Michael. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. We'll be interviewing leading retail real estate executives at ICSC in Vegas. Thanks for spending some time with us. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com.